Welcome to another exciting and elucidating episode of the OmniTalk Spotlight Series. I am your host, Chris Walton. And I'm Ann Mazinga. And we are the founders of OmniTalk, the fast-growing retail blog that's all about the companies, the technologies, and the people that are coming together to shape the future of retail. Or as we like to say, Ann, the media company that focuses on tomorrow's companies right. today. I love never it. gets old saying that. I love that tagline. And we've said it several times on the show. Yes. And we've heard it said on stage many times as well that the success of your brand or your retail organization in the future depends largely on the people making contact with your customers. Absolutely. It was once store associates. Yes. But the consumer touch points are changing so fast as tech is rolling out in this world of omni-channel retailing, particularly that that whole dynamic has changed quite a bit. Mm -hmm. So joining us today is a veritable expert on that subject. I'm pleased to introduce TalkTest VP of Global Industry Strategy for Retail and Consumer Goods, Shannon Flanagan. Shannon, welcome to the show. Hey, pleased to be here. Uh, we're excited to have you, Shannon. We've met you. We met you at, uh, or I met you for the first time at Shop Talk. Um, one of the top 100 retail influencers. Yeah, I forgot, Ann. That's right. We go way back, yeah. Shannon and I. Yeah, yeah. I, I loved it when Chris and I first uh, connected. Um, I, right. He believes I actually may, maybe trained him on a product back at the turn of the century. I hundred, I hundred percent, I hundred percent think you did. We should, we have to tell that story. So, so what Shannon's alluding to is we go back to my gap days, which was probably around, we're going to date ourselves here, Shannon, but probably really? 2001, 2002, Prime maybe even days. 2003. Yeah. The height of the gap days. Yeah. And, and then Shannon, you wouldn't join the gap, right. And as I well. And I so spent, I spent uh, seven years and did a second tour of duty, came back out um, to uh, drive strategic change there as well. So yes. Um, yeah. we are gappers is what we, yes, be. we are ex gappers. And what's what you're called like, I, gappers. I mean, I gappers. feel like, <laughs> yeah, you, get, yeah. You, you, and you share quite a bond with folks that have, uh, gone through the experience. I bet. So it's better to be gappers than banana too. And I think bananas or, bananas or something like that. Yeah. There's no such thing as that. Thank God. But, but yeah, we actually, so we, I think we met at one point, uh, Shannon was working for retech and she was designing our inventory management systems. And I was intimately involved in that. I can, I can remember, um, I think it was her, but I was like, you know, can it do this? Can it do this? Can, you know, I was one of those people like asking of for like course. a thousand product modifications. Yeah, yeah. Right. Everyone's shocked, but shocked, but, uh, but yeah, so it's fun to have her back on the show and, and to get to, uh, just pick her brain today. I'm yes. excited. Well, Shannon, let's get started. We know you're an ex gapper, but, um, can you tell us a little bit about, what TalkDesk is and kind of your role there. Yep. So I joined TalkDesk about a year and a half ago. Um, TalkDesk is a um, modern day contact center solution. Our mission is to end bad customer service. Um, grown rapidly, only about 11 years old. Um, so we are the disruptor um, in the magic quadrants. Uh, and we have over 2000 customers in 96 countries almost 300 um, customers globally for retail. And the reason why I joined is I'm super passionate about service. You kind of stole my thunder, Chris, but I'll, I'll yeah. expand, um, which is, you know, I believe retailers have two primary objectives, which has been the same for the last seven, you know, several hundred years, which is great product and great service. Mm -hmm. uh, and so many of them walked away from service being a differentiator. So when I was thinking about coming out of the business, so to, to explain that I have been in the business since I was 18 years old, 
I worked at Famous Bar for any of those old timers that remember May Company. Um, and when I worked in stores, you actually had secret shoppers who evaluated mm -hmm. you on service. You could actually find people, right? Um, and then having spent four and a half years at Land's End, which is the gold standard, I believe, of call centers called back in the day because we didn't have all these channels yet. Right. Uh, and, you know, I've had the opportunity to work, like I said, at Gap, two tours of duty, um, Macy's, um, and I'm going to show my age. I've done a lot of omni-channel transformation. I joke. It was so simple. It was just <laughs> stores, um, direct mail, email, and online. Uh, but, you know, that was certainly, you know, Herculean efforts in terms of, of changing the way things are. Spent four years at Accenture. That's when I got to know Chris and a couple of years at Slalom. And I've always been focused on helping retailers um, create the conditions for their employees to deliver amazing service for their customers. Yeah. Wow. It's an incredible retail background. Yes. Hello operator here. Right. Yeah. The part about secret shopping rings home to me too, Ed, because like I hadn't thought about this shit. I don't think I've talked about this either, but like I can remember my days as a store manager at Gap when I would go around with like a baseball hat and sunglasses and I'd put on like gym shorts and like the ugliest shirt you could find to totally not look the part, although I probably look like I do on a normal Saturday. But like I'd go in and secret shop my stores because it was such an important angle of of how you what you had to do to understand how well they were servicing the customer day in and day out. I wish that that was still around. I mean, it, it probably, it probably some, is to some, some degree. Well, there are, but you know, I think so, so many um, organizations and I'm stating the obvious and, and, and understandably so um, shifted from being, you know, really customer focused and led um, still led by product, but, but cost management became a really important thing. And I joke though, I think it's true that the store labor budgets, like the ATM of the PL. Right. And so the <laughs> disconnect between the consequences of, you know, scaling down and the reality is in most stores today, you can't find someone. No. Um, so one of the things that, you know, I'm really passionate about is, are you creating experiences for your customer that makes it easy, that makes them happy? And would you want to shop yourself? Mm -hmm. Right. At the end of the day, like, you know, is it, is it hard to do certain things? Um, do you believe that you're cared about um, and important when you go into the stores or certainly where my passion is, is the contact center. So we'll talk a little bit more about that. Yeah. I mean, that's a great tee up actually. I mean, and I was going to ask you too, like, you know, you, you kind of, you know, kind of casually mentioned there earlier that you've, you've been through digital transformations a lot. And your point was kind of like, to some degree, or at least the way I read it is like, you know, some of this is pretty straightforward, but yet it's very complicated to actually make it happen in the right way. So, right. so I'm curious is, as you've seen the role of the customer support associate evolve, um, what what have you seen? What changes have you seen within this work day in day out that you can shed light on in terms of where things have been and you know where things are now that really set the stage for the conversation? Yeah, I mean the the reality is the contact centers in most organizations, unless you are a D two C brand, where then you did recognize that that was the only channel in which somebody was going to experience your brand. But a lot of brands forgot about it. Um, I mean, it was considered a cost center, like I mentioned, and it right. was, there were metrics embedded somewhere in the VP of somewhat that nobody was really thinking about. And COVID obviously stating the obvious and Deloitte will say accelerated digital engagement by 10 years. And there's a direct correlation between e-commerce and um, inquiries to the contact center. So Another reason why I joined TalkDesk is that I felt like it got back on the map as a part of the integral part of the CX journey. Because any of you guys have done CX work, like it, it didn't even show up, right, as a right. point of entry. 
And now it might be the only time somebody in way somebody interacts with your brand. Right. Um, and then now the proliferation of channels. I mean, I feel like it's every day somebody else is getting into it. Right. When we think about, you know, now it's email, text, um, not just phone. Uh, and now we're extending to all of these different social platforms. And guess what? Um, service in the metaverse is coming and right. uh, video, Cobra, screen share. I mean, the expectations have changed. So your agent is as important as your store associate. And I think we all know huge budgets for training of store associates, but but th that has not been thought about. And so there are organizations that have started to pivot. We did a research report um, last year and I should have the stats, right? But um, it was in the, in the high 80s of uh, retailers saying they do recognize the role of the agent is changing. Um, and that's where we can go tell our stories. And we really lead with the customer first, right? What are the friction points? How do you want to drive the relationships, right? There's this huge opportunity for you to make a real difference. And uh, in a loyalty report we did at the end of last year that was focused on service, the number one driver of loyalty is first issue resolution. Right. Now, it didn't say how fast it had to be, right? And for depending on your business model, that might be 10 seconds or you can stay on the phone for three hours. But that also means the KPIs that have traditionally just measured efficiency um, need to expand to, to growth um, and a huge driver of NPS and CSAT. Yeah, and the, the question I have for you too on that, and it goes back to something you said a couple of seconds ago, is when you talk about the consumer purchase journey, what you're describing to some degree talks about like how it's actually moved up the funnel and there's also more pronounced below the funnel too, at the end of the funnel, right? Like it's now like almost this dual entry point of something yeah. that retailers have to be thinking about. Whereas before it was always end of the game, mm -hmm. right? At I best. Just only post-purchase. And yeah, if that only post-purchase. Like I said, I don't even care anymore, right? They didn't think about the entire journey. And Chris, you're absolutely right. There's a huge opportunity to drive pre-purchase through the engagement that you're having with that customer, even if it's more, you know, a post-purchase issue. Yeah. And even, and probably even if it's just, even if it's with contact or without contact, I got to imagine just the thoughts you can see within the minds of the customer through how you handle your service, even through that journey is an important element of that too. Am I thinking about that right? You absolutely are. Okay. Of course you are. <laughs> I mean, this isn't brain, brain, you know, like this is, this is easy. It's not rocket science. Right. right. And I have a belief too that, um, retailers, people think that that service has to be expensive to deliver great service. And I, I call blank blank on that mm -hmm. uh, because we, you know, we agonize. And Chris, I know you did this mm -hmm. in your day to day job. Mm -hmm. um, we agonize over lost sales because of inventory outage. Mm -hmm. uh, but what we don't think about is the lost sales because of bad service. Mm -hmm. And then what are the radiated sales because of amazing service? Right. Uh, and I think when you, when you um, start with that orientation, it's going to change the way that you want to enable your agents to do that, as well as who else in the organization is responsible for delivering amazing service. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the other point I'd add to that too, which I think is important when we talk about service and, and I've talked about this on our, on our weekly podcast a lot, which is there's a relationship between service and margin, Right you know, how much you can invest in services tied to the margin you command on your products. And mm -hmm. so to your point, you can simplify that and use technology to get to stretch that further. Yeah. And that's ultimately what we talk about. It depends on which brand you are and what tactics you want to deploy to make that exactly. happen. But that's a great, yeah, that's a great, great thought thread that we just had there. 
Well, and as it relates to margin is one of the things that we talk about is returns. So the number one reason somebody contacts you is where's my order? That should be completely automated. That should never require an agent because your your human agents should be optimized to really handle those more high touch interactions that are necessary, Mm -hmm. right? Because then you're balancing the cost, right? And the margin of the the cost center. Uh, But returns is the second. And so you think about, yes, some of that can be automated, but what an amazing opportunity to say that didn't work. What else can I get you based on the reason codes, right? Somebody is driving to, and I go back in the stores, back to my famous bar days. And, and Chris, maybe when you were in the stores is that's a huge opportunity. The store associates would take that moment to say, let me find you something else. Mm-hmm. And most stores today, you can't find anybody, right? You just stand in a line and it's a trans- transactional thing. And that's how contact centers have have handled it. But that's where there's a real pivot to saying, this is a growth center for you. And and we were talking about that the other day too, is like like that revenue capture activity has never been part of this discussion. Like I never saw it in my history at Target or even the Gap where even store or online, Mm -hmm. like, you know, I bring something back in store, say that associate to Shannon's point does get me to buy something else. That's not captured as an activity right. anywhere. It's no. probably not. It may be captured in the call center, but I doubt it. It's probably no, just no, now no. happened. It's not. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, that's, no, I mean, that's one of our next gen KPIs is that there should totally be a conversion from returns. That's the right. untapped opportunity here, right? Is to shift this conversation to more of that in terms of performance monitoring to, yeah. to, to move it towards that type of capture of data. Right. I, I, yeah. I mean, it makes sense. Well, Shannon, I want to, I think I want to go into a little bit. It's clear with things like these metrics not being recorded or that. Hold even, us back in. We're going to get reta- reined in here. That even retailers. <laughs> like a hard question coming in. Okay. <laughs> it is a little bit, um, but I think you can answer it. I, I think that it's important for our listeners who are retailers, who are brands to understand what the, what a day in the life of an actual contact center employee is like, because unfortunately I don't think that they realize, like you said, they, this is a cost center. This is not the opportunities here for, you know, increasing revenue are not being discussed, but explain a little bit about maybe the power that these contact center um, agents are capable of and just what their, their day-to-day looks like for people that have never been in a contact center before. Yeah, so this is, you know, obviously I'm passionate around the service we can deliver to customers, but equally passionate about the employee experience you want to have for your agent. We know that so many organizations are, are focused and committing to that with their corporate teams, maybe their store associates, but are you doing it with your agents? And I think who's ever called anybody or contacted a contact center because they're happy, right? Mm-hmm. These people are on the front line of dealing with your most frustrated customers. Uh, And that's really challenging. And one of the things actually I'm passionate about, very much mental health awareness is is important to me. So it's a perfect topic with it being Mental Health Awareness Month. But how do you think about supporting your agents all day long? They're dealing with frustrated customers. So there's a couple of ways, right? You do that, you actually give them the tools to be able to deliver great customer service. So many of them have like 10 different screens. They have snippets of what the customer's going on. They don't have any view to like the sentiment that we now can do with AI that helps an agent understand where they are. Uh, And if nothing else, if you're not driven by creating the conditions for your agents to um, lead with empathy and solve 
with empathy, then think about it from the labor shortage perspective and the emerging Gen Z workforce that are going to have very different expectations. Uh, and there is an example, um, one of my favorite customers, Farfetch, there's a great webinar out there. Uh, and, you know, they're a global luxury um, retailer, primarily, you know, in Europe, but certainly um, uh, have a global footprint. But they really understand the role of their agents. And they actually have an internal hotline that it's just anybody in corporate is on the other end where they create the space for their agents to process and unpack maybe some of those challenging experiences. Mm. So no, I don't think most of them think about that. Maybe they're more D2C brands, again, I think are closer right. to that. Mm -hmm. Those that have in-house contact centers, but the reality is a lot of people have outsourced this. Sure. Uh, and so, you know, how are you connecting it to that? Because it's still those agents, regardless if they're, you know, in-house or outsourced are still representing your brand. Yeah. Shannon, I'm curious too, as you talk about the 10 screens that you mentioned, like, am I correct in assuming that that is as I'm imagining it, where those are 10 disparate screens, all functioning differently, maybe not all um, updating in real time as well, you know, not based in cloud principles of digitization is, is, is that, is that, a, is that like a good NASA. assumption? Like yeah. 1980s NASA, you have right. 10 computers. Oh, totally, uh, totally. <laughs> well, or, or honestly, like the retailers we used to work at in yeah. the last five or 10 years, you know, like that's just how things, you know, work. Is, is, that, is, that what these, is that what these customer service agents are going into these very intense conversations armed with? Yeah, nailed it, right? Yeah. And so you think about it, our own experiences that we've had um, and we get frustrated and they're having to do this or that, it is because of that. And one of the other reasons why I joined talk desk, um, less from the emotional, you know, um, driver on service, but, but the practical side is, you know, retailers for the last several years have outlined digital, you know, cloud transformation roadmaps. Guess what was not on there? Contact centers. Right. Really? So, no. So the majority wow. of them on, you know, not to be too technical have been on prem. And so we're seeing a ton of activity where the organizations are saying, oh gosh, I need to be on cloud one to be able to do everything I need to do around managing remote workforces and also the enablement of AI and the ability to get that real-time information. So it is consistent in every pursuit I've been in that they have multiple screens. And dare I say it, one just told us they still have AS400. Not a shocker, but uh, that's still even around. What's AS400? Uh, yeah, well, yeah. Green screen. Green screens and oh. green screens. Oh wow! Yeah, that that's that that's the that's the kiss of death right there. That's yeah, the they've not died. Right? They're still yeah. out there. I believe yeah. it'll only die when everybody who knows it is no longer working. <laughs> well, it's it's a really great point though because I get asked all the time, and and does too. Like we get asked, you know, how do I become a more digital retailer, right? How do I become more digital? And you know, a lot of times I'll look to like what the DTCs are doing from like an advertising and branding perspective, and at the end of the day. The way you become more digital is, is like you said, it's almost you, you bring cloud principles across every aspect of the organization, first and foremost, whether it be call centers, finance, store operations, accounting, whatever. Like that's the true like linchpin for digitization, I, I think. Would you agree with that, Shannon, from your vantage um, point and having led digital transformations? Absolutely. Right. And again, we come back to the complexity is so much more. But that 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 the information and the the opportunity through all of these different social platforms um, to engage, um, and then making sure that you're meeting the customer where they are. Some want to be on digital, like we we've done research. I mean, the the 
and this is not going to be a surprise, the difference between how baby boomers engage and Gen Z engage are dramatically different. Like the, the range, for, like in video, right, is a right. highly um, desired way to engage with the brand and through service with Gen Z and baby boomers barely, you know, want it or use it or know how to. You're even so when you think about being able to do those things, and then I want to come back to the 10 screens. Um, you know, uh, we are, I'm super passionate around the notion of uh, for TalkDesk and our retail experience cloud, it's a unified view. It's a cockpit view to all things that's related to the customer. We can now track all of that. We can bring it in. You got the APIs, right? As long as you've got those, we can bring that information into a workspace that is retail relevant, where you can see all of the activities that's related to social, SMS, right, et cetera, loyalty information, right, to understand that, the sentiment analysis, uh, order management, you know, all sorts of things I, I, I could go on and on um, that then allow it to be fast and um, connected and personalized and tailored for that for that customer when they're coming in and that agent to be able to do what they want to do, which is to ultimately make people happy. I mean, this sounds magical, Shannon, like with the like with a snap, you're able to kind of convert <laughs> 10 screens or even black and green screens right. into uh, one unified dashboard that's stored in the cloud. How are retailers able to actually bring this online with you? Because while it sounds magical and wonderful, it, it seems like there's more, there's a reason that they've been working with 10 screens for so long. So what does the process look like to kind of onboard with TalkDesk and, and what should retailers and brands expect? It's a great question. So it all depends on where, where a brand is in its digital journey, right? Okay. So those that have modernized their CRMs, right? You know, hopefully their e-com platforms are, but you know, many are still homegrown. Mm -hmm. um, you know, their loyalty platforms, et cetera, right? Our, our point of view is we will offer the most out-of-the-box integrations that we can bring that data in for product that is modern, right? But if you've got a homegrown CRM that doesn't have like APIs, et cetera, it becomes more challenging. So it really depends on where someone is in their, you know, their technology landscape and which ones have been, you know, uh, brought into the modern day. So if they, if they do have those things and, you know, we've got those, you know, REST APIs, open APIs, I don't know, I'm not a technologist. I just know that those are important. We can bring that data in then real time. So uh, they've not been able to see it that way because they, they never have. But once we show them, my oh, gosh, you can get all of this. They're like, wow, wow. Because they didn't really even know it was possible. Right. So there is a foundational element at play here before you get to the foundational element of providing good customer service. There's an under, underlying technological foundation you have to have in place here too. Absolutely. And like with TalkDesk, our average implementation timeline is 54 days. Uh, so wow. the other thing we run into is when we're talking about de deploying capabilities, um, it's still very much the old school mindset. Oh, we'll deliver a little bit here, then a little bit here, a little bit here. And we're like, oh, no. You can just leapfrog all the old stuff and the ways you operate it and get people up and running and, and going super quick. And, you know, historically onboarding agents took a long time. Now you can do it within hours. Uh, so what we run into in, in Shocker, there's, you know, some old school thinking that it's not the way it used to be, right? You can activate and deliver value really quickly, um, especially when you have you know, other hopefully modern systems to support that data that we can bring in. 
So I picked up on something you said there. So you, it sounds like this helps. It helps with training too. Like yeah. how, how does that happen? Well, there's nine fewer screens. Chris. <laughs> just, exactly. It's not so hard to walk in here. Like, Oh, I see just, everything. Is that it though? It's just less daunting. Like it's less, it's, it's just an easier onboarding process because they're just having to acclimate to less things in yeah. front of them. Is it that simple? It's that simple as okay. well as knowledge management tools. Right. So those, those felt like a holy grail. That was one of the things when I came into the, the role, I was like, oh my God, the sophistication now and the quality of that data. And then you draw, you attach it to, you know, AI with like a sentiment analysis, et cetera. So they're walking in with all the information they're equipped to be able to do those things rather than having to learn. I won't name any names, all those 10 systems, right. They're going to have different workflows, et cetera. We also have out-of-the-box workflows that help an agent. So depending on how a retailer wants them to handle a where is my order, you do a drop-down and you've got the scripts to get you through that. Um, furthermore, with now the all of the, the feedback that we can have real-time, they're able to understand how am I doing here, there, same with their supervisors. So the ability to respond really quickly to opportunities to be even better with the service they're giving is um, it's nothing like we've seen before. Yeah. I think it's great what you're saying too, Shannon, because I think that so much of the contact center, we see a lot of emerging tech that's come to the fore with, with how you communicate, whether it's chat bots and other things. And I think that the human element of the contact center is still so important, but this is another example of how you're leveraging tech, especially when we throw around words like AI, I think you know, you're leveraging that to really improve the the service that the the customer contact person is there to give, and you're you're eliminating multitasking that they have to do. I mean, ultimately, you're, you're you're talking about how much you know you want your your contact center agents to have empathy to hold a conversation with somebody, and we all know that's very difficult to do when you're moving screens around and trying to navigate you know 15 different screens, making sure your scripts on point, and all these things at one time. Um, how have retailers that you've worked with, like how have things changed for them? What have you been hearing from them after they've kind of started deploying with you? Oh, that's a, that's kind of a, that's an interesting question, uh, that they didn't think that, that they say possible. that, yeah. They, okay. They didn't know, right. They just didn't really understand that it, that this world could exist. And the other thing that's really key is that this, the contact center now has become this amazing source of data. Right. It is a view to the customer mm -hmm. transactions, be it, you know, all of the communication channels, as well as, um, uh, you know, different KPIs around MPS, CSAT that you can pull together. And here's the key thing we come back to real time. Right. Right. Do you remember you guys both batch updates? Oh, yeah. <laughs> that would take 24 hours. Yeah. And then it was like near real time was a term, but it is real time. And so one of the things I'm going to be having a conversation with one of our buddies here and, um, and producing a blog with is how do you leverage that, that data? So things like we have CX sensors that can cue into words that are emerging quickly. And maybe you're seeing very quickly a return issue, you know, a product right. bottom. And rather than waiting or having to scrape screens and waiting for like a quarterly assessment of the returns and all that stuff, now there's this rich source of information that you can see not only are returns happening, but why. Yeah. So how do you get that information back to your tech designers, right? Your merchants, production, so you can drive change. So 
those are the things that they've not thought about, right? Retailers haven't thought about that you can tap into in a way we've never been able to. Yeah. So. And Shannon, I have another kind of random question, but as you're talking about like the data that's being collected and how retailers are able and brands are able to utilize that data, are you seeing instances where because I'm calling the contact center, I have a return or I need to do, I have a question about my product. Are you seeing that with retailers dedicating more time to that conversation with a contact center agent, that they're able to gather more information about that customer that they can then input and then use, like if the, if I came in store later, like, right. you know, that I have kids cause you heard them in the background and they're like able to make almost like the way that you would see like a Salesforce thing, like where people are making notes <laughs> right, about the, right. the context, like, are you able to take even personal sure, data about basically. that? Yeah. Absolutely. So that's where you think about it. Like, again, this great source of data because they have not thought about leveraging it that way. Yeah. Right. Right. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. It's, that's what I was thinking too. Like, I think it's actually like what you're talking about here is a linchpin to not just personalization, but rel better relevancy right. with your customer. Right. That one-to-one -one holy grail understanding of how you're moving your consumer day in and day out. Right. You know, this, this idea or this thread we're talking about is key to that. It also reminded me when you talked about the example of like where you're having returns, I can remember I can remember being in charge of frozen food for Target and I'd get these quarterly reports, like you're saying, these quarterly batch reports of all the issues. And, you know, first quarter I'm looking at it and the, get the complaint, the florets on the broccoli are too small. You know, and we look at it, okay, yeah, whatever. And then we, and then, you know, I'd ask the buyer and be like, ah, it's standard, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then I get the next quarter. So I, I wait six months exactly to take action on the size of my broccoli right. florets. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, but anyway, all right, well, let's get you out of here on this, Shannon. This is my, my, my final question for you. I love what you said about the, the contact center, you know, being a place where people generally aren't happy, but at the same time, and I've talked to you about this before on the side that, you know, it's, it's our happiness as consumers that determines where we decide to shop over and over again. So with those two kind of extremes or those two sides of that argument, what advice would you have for retailers as they're thinking about trying to go about making their customer, customers, excuse me, more happier day in and day out? Well, I think it's as simple as this question. Are you easy to do business with, right? Do you create a, a happy question. experience? One of the things I do when I, when I chat with folks is like, close your eyes. Imagine an experience that made you feel really crappy right? The, the bike that you'd order for your kid's 10-year-old birthday party, nobody knows where it is, right? And they, you need it in a day versus those that made you feel really good. Um, and that's fairly simple. If you're putting the customer first and then thinking about how that drives your KPIs, right? And I want to come back to something, um, Anna, in just a question in a minute. And then mm -hmm. how are you enabling your workforce to do that? Mm -hmm. Right. And one of the things you said around like returns, where are we seeing it do, done well? This is where D2C brands are more sophisticated. Uh, and we see them being able to do these things. They also have broadened the set of KPIs that they're measuring against mm -hmm. because they are they have understood the role of that data. But when we think about right, as we built this experience cloud that we're really excited we're going to be launching in a couple of weeks is or it might be launching, or already launched, I think, by the time we <laughs> go to press, is uh, you know a couple of things. So the capabilities around self-service for the customer, the seamless experiences, so that unification between not just like voice, SMS, 
you know, chat and email, but then bringing in that social piece, but even more exciting is the source piece. Because if I'm a customer, I don't care what channel I'm shopping with you in, I expect you to know me. And we all know that the store data and the digital data, like not at all connected, Um, but you brought up personalization. And one of the things that we cannot start to do, I mean, AI in the contact center has left some people with a bad taste in their mouth because the chat bots candidly sucked. Um, But technologies, you know, caught up. And then when you think about AI in the context of taking that that sentiment data, we can then help drive the next best actions, right? And the recommendations to deliver a more tailored experience because we know who you are and we're meeting you where you are. And soon immersive service is going to be the next thing we talk about. AKA metaverse. Oh, wow. Tease. Wow. VRAR. I mean, oh. we're going to need avatar agents. Um, so, wow. I'm okay with I'd love that. That's one of my favorite topics. You're, yeah. you're, you're okay with avatar yeah. agents? Oh, yeah. yeah. I think that's great. I think that's a great use case of the metaverse. Not many it actually great is, use probably. cases, but I feel like being able to like actually have another person there, just feeling that you have another person there that you can look at feels like there's a better connection that's building already. So I'm excited to talk about about video, right. It's it's a emerging channel. And I joke that it's like web 2.5, right. It's the, it's the in between the bridge channel, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, so it's the gateway. Um, so, uh, when you think about that, then how are we enabling agents to actually engage in the augmented reality worlds, right? That's not Mm -hmm. even really necessarily metaverse, but we see furniture companies, right? You can put a table in your room and um, how do you enable your agents with the tools to be able to actually participate in that experience? It's not like true metaverse maybe, but again, the tweener. Yeah, um, the bridge. So you're loving that, aren't you? I am. You are. I, I think that's a great idea. How I mean, wouldn't you rather like instead of having to go to a furniture store with somebody, be like, I'm gonna put my little goggles on and let's go together and you talk to me about it. And then when I'm done, I just get to be home and fight with my husband at home about the furniture that we're gonna buy instead of in the furniture store. Yeah, it's yeah. great. All right, okay. Yeah, no, I, I think it's I think it's great for like the just overall returns in general, like yeah. just to be like you said, just to be able to simulate that conversation with live with somebody in front of and you, like upsell. you would in a store. Yeah, yeah. And, potential upside. All right, Shannon. Well, that was awesome. We'll have to have you back for that conversation as that oh, comes please. more to the fore. Yeah, you're more than welcome back because this has been a total blast. Um, for those of our audience that have been listening to this conversation, if they want to reach out to you, get in touch with you, learn more about what you do, what TalkDesk does, what's the best way for them to do that? Oh, multiple ways. So obviously you can go to TalkDesk uh, and you can request a demo. Um, and with with our retail experience cloud, we're going to wow you and all the things. Nobody else is doing it in the industry. Um, two, LinkedIn. So Shannon Flanagan. Uh, And then last but not least, feel free to um, contact me directly. I geek out. This is my favorite time of my day is when you you talk about these things. Yeah. Um, I'm not, you know, first time in software. So my, yeah, when I get to speak to to retailers and talk about what's coming next. So that's Shannon.Flanagan at TalkDesk. I will not spell it because I assume it's somewhere. Yes, (laughs) Yes, it will be. But um, I would love to hear from folks and get a point of view and, and see where you're thinking and, you know, potentially how we might be able to help. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts on the evolving nature of customer service these days. Again, that was fellow retail top 100 influencer and yes. Shannon Flanagan. Ex-Gapper. Ex-Gapper. Yes. Now, amongst many r- other things. Now I'm a talk desk. Talk desk. Now, now we're a talk to ex-Gapper. Now talk desker. Say yes. that 10 times fast. That's almost impossible. 
Uh, but anyway, Shannon, thanks for joining us today. On behalf of Shannon and Ann and myself, as always, everyone listening, hope you enjoyed this conversation. And most importantly, be careful out there.